Overdrive. Hello and welcome to Overdrive, a program about trains, planes and automobiles, but mainly automobiles. I'm David Brown and in this program we have news stories with David Campbell including the latest car sales figures. Rob Fraser tests a new rugged four-wheel drive ute. I interview an international expert on artificial intelligence that may become part of our cars and quirky news with Brian Smith we discuss cars that aim to make your phone redundant. You can find more information at drivenmedia.com.au or previous programs are available as podcasts on iTunes or Spotify or you can go to our Facebook site Overdrive City. So let's start the program with the news. New vehicle sales in Australia fell for the 20th consecutive month during November. Consumer confidence is at a low and some dealers are discussing the topic of a consumer recession. VFAX numbers released by the Federal Chamber of Automotive Industries show the market for new vehicles dipped 9.8% for November to 84,700 sales. Annually, the tally sits at 978,000 vehicles, down 8.2% on 2018's running total. This is the worst November tally since 2008, when the global financial crisis was destroying markets. It's also the worst January to November tally since 2011. The top three brands were Toyota, Mitsubishi and Hyundai. And the top three models were all Utes, the Toyota Hilux, the Ford Ranger and the Mitsubishi Triton. Eight of the top ten selling brands went backwards and these account for 73% of the total market sales. Some smaller scale nameplates did record growth, but this matters less in the grand scheme. Holden sold just 2,600 vehicles during the month, down nearly 48%, almost half its tally in November 2018. That's reportedly the brand's weakest monthly result since the company was established 71 years ago. A federal court in Los Angeles has found in favour of Tesla boss Elon Musk in the defamation lawsuit brought against him by a British cave explorer who Musk had branded a pedo guy on Twitter. The plaintiff, Vernon Unsworth, was seeking $190 million damages against Musk who during the trial estimated his net worth at $20 billion. It took less than an hour for an eight-person jury in Los Angeles Federal Court to reject Unsworth's claim after a four-day trial. Musk, who deleted the tweet and later apologised for it, had asserted the expression was nothing more than a flippant insult that meant creepy old man. Australasia's Independent Vehicle Safety Authority, ANCAP, has released two new ratings with five stars awarded to the BMW 1 Series small car and four stars to the Peugeot Partner Van. The Peugeot Partner Van, assessed based on test results of its platform twin the Peugeot Rifter, achieved a good adult occupant protection score of 90%. It however fell short of the five-star threshold for vulnerable road user protection. 
hence limiting its overall safety rating to just four stars. The Ford Transit van has been around since 1965. Over 8 million vans have been sold during this time, making it the third best-selling van of all time. Ford has recently upgraded the van, and now the next Gen Transit joins the Ford Ranger to include AEB with pedestrian detection as standard, as part of a comprehensive driver assist technology suite that brings greater practicality and convenience. New larger 8-inch touchscreens brings Apple CarPlay and Android Auto compatibility, as well as full-color high-resolution rear-view camera with front and rear parking sensors. Fresh exterior styling includes smart front-end design with a new grille, bonnet, headlights and a front bumper, while interior upgrades include updated seating and controls. Engineering students from 27 universities across Australia and the Asian Pacific region recently converged at the Winton Motor Raceway in northeast Victoria for the 20th annual Formula SAEA. The Formula SAEA is a high-tech competition for university teams to design, build and compete in Formula-style open-wheeled racing cars which are judged on everything from technical design to their marketing plans. Run by the Asia-Pacific Society of Automotive Engineers, it has classes for both electric and internal combustion cars. This year's competitors are from Australia, Japan, India, Pakistan and New Zealand, and five universities have fielded two car teams contesting both electric and internal combustion categories. In the UK, the Worcester County Council, in collaboration with a local engineering firm, has developed the first bat-friendly highway crossing. A 60-metre corridor of glowing red lights are supposedly bat-friendly, as research has shown some species of bats avoid areas lit by white lights, which could lead them to use longer and less safe routes. The Worcester Council has said that it wanted to support the local wildlife in the area, and the red corridor would also assist pedestrians walking in the region. And that has been the news. Range Rover, of course, it's a name synonymous with luxury all-wheel drives and four-wheel drives. The Velar, designed from a clean sheet, was launched back in 2017, and Rob Fraser's just spent a week in one. Designed to slide between the Range Rover Sport and the Evoque, the Velar introduces advanced technologies, a new design philosophy, and styling innovation for Range Rover. We tested the P300 SCR Dynamic model, powered by a 2-litre four-cylinder turbo petrol engine, produces around about 220 kilowatts and 400 newton metres, and the prestige all-wheel drive SUV, priced at a little over $100,000 plus costs and options, is more capable off-road than probably a few four-wheel drive vehicles, yet exudes a grace and charm that few vehicles possess. It is more at home at the opera or ski fields, and, to be honest, will be unlikely to even see a dirt road in its life. Yet, the promise of a real adventure remains. The Velar is one of those cars that the more you drive, the more it feels like a really comfortable pair of jeans. Put them on and everything feels just right. This is Overdrive across Australia. Well, in Overdrive News, we heard that the top three selling cars in Australia in November, a bad month generally, but the top three were in fact utes. 
and it's not now just a typical one-dimensional one style or even one model of ute they are aiming for a range from the practical family car through to the testosterone powered vehicle and I think, Rob, you've just tested one at that upper end of the market. What was it? The uh, Nissan Entrek or Nissan Navara Entrek Warrior, they call it. So this is competing with what? It's in the same segment as the Toyota Hilux Rugged X or the Amarok 580 Ultimate. That sort of premium end of the market. And this is the top offering in the Navara range from Nissan. They have those wonderful names, don't they? Warrior, Extreme X and so on. It's... It's uh, really the ultimate, wasn't it? The Ultima. Ultimate, yeah. It all goes to sell the uh, the aspirational aspect of the of the vehicles. Aspirational to those who don't want to be seen as just a family car. True. And also, those type of vehicles uh, aim for those people that will, will buy a ute and then they'll walk into a TJM franchise and say, I want to put a whole lot of accessories on this because I actually want to use it for what it's meant to be used for, or I want it to look like I'm going to use it for what it's meant to be used for. This is, if you get mud on it, you leave it there. Is that the case? Exactly. You know, they like to put big tyres on it and bull bars and tow bars and all those sort of things. There's big market for that aftermarket stuff, isn't there? Huge. Some people will will buy a brand new ute and they'll go into one of those franchises and they'll drop another 20 grand easily. Is Nissan doing it that way or do they have their own approach? Nissan actually adopted a really good approach. What they did is they took it from the aspect of saying, what do we want this vehicle to achieve and then how are we going to get there? And so what they did, they put tenders out and they selected an Australian organisation called Premcar to do the redesign of the vehicle for them. So while they have used a number of external suppliers for some of the, the equipment that's gone into it, it is a totally integrated redesign or re-engineering. That gives you sort of confidence that that's what the manufacturer intended. And the good thing about that is everything, because it's now become a permanent vehicle in their range, it's covered by the full Nissan five-year unlimited kilometre warranty and roadside assistance. Tell me some of the features it's got. From a four-wheel drive aspect, the first and foremost one is that it's been raised by 40 mil. Part of that has been an increase in the suspension and part of it's by an increase in rolling diameter on the tyres. So the combination of those two is a, is a 40 mil lift. So that increases the ground clearance from 218 millimetres to 268 millimetres. It improves the approach angle and the, the ramp over angle as well. So it's all that type of stuff that is for important for four-wheel driving and you know going up forest trails and that type of stuff. Is it uh, powerful? No, they've, they've kept the same engine and transmission, so there's been no changes to that whatsoever. The, the changes are all in a little bit of bling, so it keeps it starts as the Entrek vehicle, which is you know a lot of extra sort of blingy type features that have been added to the top of the range STX, and then they've gone into what are the the functional things that we could add, and it's things like an integrated steel body coloured steel bull bar, so you don't have to add that thing sticking out the front. It looks like it's a standard front bumper bar, but it's actually steel and it it looks like pure perfectly integrated into the vehicle underneath they've put three millimeter stainless steel underbody protection so you know crash plates underneath that run all the way through to the diff so if you look underneath it it's just this long piece of stainless steel that sits underneath and protects everything underneath i like the idea of the young bull bar because then it's designed with your safety features it rather than necessarily tacking something onto the front which could 
alter quite a bit of the even the detection and other types of technology that's in the standard car it alters a whole lot of different things you know the driving dynamics the front load rating the um, airbag compatibility all those sort of things can be affected by adding a bull bar at the front but because this has been integrated it's all standard how much is it worth about 62 and a half for the manual version and about 65 odd for the automatic version which is actually outstanding value really plus on roads no that's recommended driveway pricing oh well that's pretty good because you get something like the top of the range ranger and i think that's in the seventy six thousand dollar list price so these sorts of things don't come cheap but this is at least within the category uh, good value for money excellent value for money it sits pretty much line ball as a driveway price with what the Hilux Rugged X sits as a manufacturer's list price. You took it on some rough roads. We will do a more detailed review on where you travelled, on touring in it, on osroma.com.au. But just a, a short summary, did it handle the rough stuff? There was two aspects to this. One is it went places that a standard four-wheel drive ute will go. It went places that you would really struggle to get a standard four-wheel drive ute to go. But the key to it is it just did it so easily, so comfortable. The the redesign of the suspension and the bump stops and the, the new dampers has made this vehicle, actually it's one of the best riding off-road type utes I've actually been in. So it's the Nissan, it's a mouthful here, isn't it? I've got to get this right. It's the Nissan Navara N-Track Warrior. That's it. Woohoo. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Rob, thanks a lot, mate. Catch you up. <laughs> thanks, David. This is Overdrive across Australia. At the premiere of the movie Machine, which is a documentary-style film about artificial intelligence, one of the featured experts was Professor Toby Walsh. Professor Walsh is a leading researcher in artificial intelligence who has held research positions all over Europe and also in Australia, including the University of New South Wales. He was named by a newspaper as a rock star of Australian digital revolution. It was the Australian. He has been a leading advocate calling for a ban on autonomous weapons at the UN and elsewhere, and with great pleasure he joins me on the line now. Professor Walsh, thank you very much for your time. It's my pleasure. Now, you wrote a couple of books. One of them is It's Alive, Artificial Intelligence, From the Logic Piano to Killer Robots. It's Alive is a reference, I believe, of course, to Frankenstein. <laughs> it is, and it's about whether deep philosophical questions, whether machines... Um might be as smart as us, and if they are as smart as us, might they also be conscious like we are? Conscious, because the monster in the novel Frankenstein is often portrayed for all its badness, yet it showed such a variety of emotions. It wanted companionship, perhaps even love, desire to reproduce, and it ultimately had contrition and a personal decision for the greater good. Yet, of course, in the middle there, it raged against what it thought was injustice. Is that the potential of artificial intelligence, the full gamut of emotions? It's an interesting and open question. We don't know whether machines, we can program you know, fake emotions into machines, whether they'll ever be the same as true emotions. Well, I mean, of course, on a purely scientific level, they won't. We know that our emotions have a chemical or biochemical component, a very large biochemical component, and, and um, digital computers are purely electronic devices, so they won't have that aspect of them. But if we program 
a machine with some empathy, with the possibility to behave, pretend it's, it's happy or sad, is that going to be the same as if it really is happy or sad? Artificial intelligence is going to that point, perhaps, or could go to that point, where its emotions aren't just a parameter. Let's do compassion 4.2 and anger 1.5 or something. It's that it may balance and, uh, and ruminate almost around those things. Do you see a difference between the machine learning and artificial intelligence? I do think we're going to program computers. We already started to program computers to understand our emotions. Um, that makes them more responsive. You know, I can tell you're getting rather frustrated by the, the service call today. Maybe I should escalate the priority which we're treating it. Um, and probably, and actually already starting to see, we will actually make them so that they're more interesting to interact with. They, they may have we may give them fake emotions. Um, and so, you know, increasingly we will be spending more and more time talking to machines, interacting with machines. They'll be learning more and more. They already know a lot about us. We can't accurately predict the minutiae of the future, but I think your point is that we have to adapt and we have to try and instill values into the process. Oh, 100%. Uh, and ex- yeah, sorry, 100%. Go. We do. We, we do. We do have to ensure that the machines reflect our values because anyone who's programmed a computer knows how stubbornly literal they do exactly what we tell them to do. And so if they do the wrong thing, that is because we have told them to do the wrong thing at the end of the day. And it's it, they're reflecting the values that we have programmed in them. And that's um, a reflection on us. And I think the other mistake to make is this idea that you could predict the future as though the future is already something that has been decided. Mm. And uh, the movie ends with actually with with my words saying exactly this, but the future is actually the product of the decisions that you make today. It is actually, we still, you know, we do believe in free will and the, um, and the fact that we do get to make choices. And some of those choices are, for example, about how technology should or should not be used to enhance our lives or to detract from our lives. And I think we already started to see plentiful examples um, today of how, uh, the not very smart machines that we have today are already starting to change our society and sometimes in good ways, making our lives more convenient, but equally sometimes in ways that are not so good, that are corroding our political discourse, changing the nature of truth and um, and increasing perhaps the inequality that we see growing within our societies. Also, the great value of science that is prepared to be wrong and to be adaptable. Yes, science is a fantastic system and it's completely self-correcting and that um, if ideas are incorrect, they will be that, that will be found out and they will be corrected and it doesn't matter. It's a, a wonderful self-correcting system with, with the feedback built in to do that. Professor, thank you very much for your time. My pleasure. And that was Professor Toby Walsh, who is a leading researcher in artificial intelligence. He's held research positions all over the world. And we appreciate greatly the time that he's given us now. You're listening to Overdrive. Well, as we always say, utes are becoming ever more popular. And with that, they've moved up market from the basic work vehicle to being much more SUV-like. One such ute is the Volkswagen Amarok 580 Highline. Rob Fraser picks up the story. With a V6 3-litre turbo diesel engine that pumps out about 190 kilowatts and 580 newton metres, the Amarok 580 Highline Black 
is amongst the most powerful utes on the market. Combine this with smooth on-road ride and excellent handling for a ute, and the Amarok appeals to those buyers that favour the suburban roads rather than deep in the outback. Inside, the Amarok is comfortably appointed with heated leather seats, a well-laid-out dash, and an instrument pod, as well as the number of other luxury and safety features. While there isn't a lot of room for the rear passengers, those front occupants are well catered for. The tub is also amongst the largest on the market. Priced at around $65,000 plus costs and options, it isn't cheap, yet it's pretty good value, especially if you want a more supple ride around town. You're listening to Overdrive. Now, Brian Smith, I was driving a test car the other day and I had to go into a tight parking area and I thought the turning circle wasn't quite as good as it might be. Then I thought, who cares anymore? Now, if you are buying a car, do any of those standard things like the turning circle and so on really come into it? Are oh, you talking about all the sort of other bits and apps and... Right. Technology in the car that you're buying. So the old sort of, has it got a, a cassette player, Dad? It's now replaced by, you know, will it run Spotify? Yeah. Oh, well, talking of running Spotify, the 2019 Cadillac XT4. This is a big SUV, exaggerated looks with a, an over-the-top and far too big and bulky and aggressive nose on it. So I think you get the idea to it. Now, one of the things they're talking about here, Brian, is that you may not need your phone to run things. That's an interesting concept. I read this article, and it's very much about the car has all of these apps in it that you would normally use your phone to connect to the car. And and it's it's talking about it as, well, perhaps you wouldn't use your phone anymore. But I, I, I thought it makes sense to have your car integrate with your phone because it allows you to carry that with you Hmm. uh you know the music that you're listening to on the phone may then be the music that continues to play inside the car so i'm not i'm not convinced by this view that um you know you it's desirable to have the vehicle totally separated uh from the phone no indeed the big push has been of course to get apple carplay and android auto connected into your car so that you do have the commonality of your phone in the car. Now, the Cadillac has an inbuilt system that will give you things like the Weather Channel, Spotify, the Wall Street Journal, People Magazine, Fox Sports, USA Today, Dash Radio, the Washington Post, and NPR. Even it's got a great one from the New York Times, which provides a daily briefing on the news. Now, I really think that sort of targeting stuff that I can set up, you, you and I might listen to podcasts, for example, but if I want to get into a car, press a button that says, right, your traditional journey to work or whatever, this is the traffic situation, not a general one, but one very targeted to you. Here's the news, and I know you don't want to listen to anything about politics out of America or something. All that sort of thing may well be personalised, but do you do it in the car? Could, you know, do you have a separate system in the car? Yeah. Because they're now talking about connecting it all to that you have one that looks exactly the same as the one you have in the house. Oh, yes. That makes a bit of sense, I think. Yeah. Don't you think so, Dave? Oh, look, why should I have a different system to play podcasts or what have you in the house than I do in the car? And at the moment, I play it in the house off my phone. Yeah, yeah. The only thing is, I, I really then need to get the phone to be able to do things like open the garage door. Yes. 
Yes, exactly. And and those sort of desirable days that, uh, uh, you know, you could have the phone also control your television, not really mm. working out so well now. But, but uh, you know, yes, I, I think your car should be able to open your garage door and, you know, maybe turn things on in the house as you're approaching. Well, so so I, I like the idea of integration, not necessarily, you know, now this car is totally self-contained. Although maybe that's, again, about, brands wanting to control data and and knowledge Uh, about your preferences well maybe you don't want everything like spotify and so on to go back into the general pool of what you're doing what you're listening to and so on i think that's the point you're making that that maybe it becomes a contained system where you can control who knows what in terms of what you're looking at Mm. We did a story a little while ago, wasn't it, about Spotify going into the car? And I think your very comment was, why Why do you need it? I, I've got it on the phone and I can just yeah. run it straight from there. It might give a separate system then to get the charging mechanisms for, that are not the phone. No, I, I'm not sure of that. I'm just saying that it may open competition in that regard. Well, I don't know. It just strikes me that, you know, you'd want to log in, right? So is the car going to have a separate account for you or you will you log in in any case to your account um yeah I, i'm not getting it david i'm no. not getting it oh well you're driving along you hear something on spotify you know you know do a random play you really like it now to save that you'd like to just press a button and it saves it back into your system that you you can operate when you're at home i'm just wondering david too whether um the, the this might be some of the first steps around exclusivity in the sort of apps that may be associated with particular vehicle brands so it might be you know that spotify might start saying look we're, we're going to focus now on a particular brand and yes. you know we're now associated with cadillac and and uh, we're going to provide you know, you know I don't something know, different higher, something different for the cadillac and then i could see that happening where um you know the package that whole loyalty and everything into an ecosystem that you're living in like an apple versus windows kind of thing i suppose or iphone versus uh samsung so apple versus samsung so uh, i worry about that maybe perhaps it's the thin end of the wedge indeed brian lovely to talk to you we're going to talk about uh, a transport system in auckland next time which i know you have a passion ball for for the moment thank you for your time you're welcome And this has been Overdrive. My thanks for the help from many people for making this show possible, especially David Campbell, Brian Smith, Rob Fraser, Professor Toby Walsh and Paul Just. Overdrive can be heard across Australia on the Community Radio Network. You can find more information at drivenmedia.com.au or previous programs are available as podcasts on iTunes or Spotify. Or you can go to our Facebook page, Overdrive City. I'm David Brown. Thanks for listening.